Hebrews 12, 1 to 4. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become wary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in the struggle against sin. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Dennis. A great passage of scripture. We remember that we uh, irrigated that scripture pretty well this summer. And again, here uh, this fall, we want to take a look at it one more time. Well, good morning. It's uh, the best part of my week to be with you and to see you and to see your smiles and to know what God's doing in your life. It's the very best part of my, my week is to be here with you. We've been tracking along in a theme that uh, we've tagged Taking back my life, taking back my life. And if you're like me, uh, Norb used the word this morning, uh, you, you, use, you know the word drift. Uh, it's easy to drift, it's easy to get off course. Uh, we've talked about crashing into the rocks of worry, and that keeps us from experiencing the beautiful peace of God that he has in mind for us to have. And so we put a circle around tackling worry, and that was our first message and then uh, we put a circle around extreme busyness because it can look impressive when we're very busy, but uh, in the end it's destructive to our journey with, uh, with God and our journey with our family and our personal health. So we talked about tackling uh, busyness. This morning uh, we turn our attention to the theme of tackling insignificance, uh, personal insignificance. I think there comes a point in everyone's life where we say, hmm, is that what this thing life is really all about? I didn't know really quite what to expect of my life, but I feel somewhat let down. I thought my life would be a little bit more significant than it is. Well, I bet I could vanish from this world and hardly anybody would know. And we begin to question the meaning that our lives have in this world. And we can become disappointed in ourselves. Uh, now, some of it's small stuff. You know, when you step back a little ways and you evaluate it, that's pretty small potatoes, but it's real. I mean, I wouldn't have minded being six foot four, muscular build. We might as well say six six if you're going for it. Really big, you know, really muscular. Um, and so we evaluate our physical bodies and we say, and that's what I got. Uh, but I would have wished for more. I wish I could be better equipped to build a house, do electrical work, do the plumbing, restore an old classic car. I'm not great at that. How can you go through life and not be a great electrician? That's the question I have. Or did you ever attend a, a class reunion and you saw how all your former classmates, grade 12, they've graduated, they went on, and they excelled so well? Look at them. They're the doctors and the lawyers and the, the engineers and the scientists. Well, wow, I wish I could stand out. And, and, but look at my accomplishments. They're pretty meager. 
I'm disappointed in my ordinariness. So, oh, for sure, we can begin to describe our disappointments. I could get a long list going pretty quickly in no time flat. And disappointed in myself. Well, we say, where does that disappointment come from? A common answer in our day is that it's a lack of self-esteem. It's a failure to accept oneself. And that may be part of the answer, but it's not really the whole answer. Not by any means. Um, it really is the reflection of a deeper problem. It's a reflection of my failure to be the person that God had in mind for me to be when he created me. So let's start there this morning as we think about tackling insignificance. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel, does my life really bring any value to this world? Does my life really make any difference at all? How should we really understand that question? Significance for my life. I mean, you know where I'm likely to start tackling this challenge? I'm likely to ask, uh, what are my dreams? Uh, what are my values? Uh, what are my goals? What are my achievements? Uh, I should figure out what I'm good at. That's where I should start. I should aim high. I should be disciplined. I should, I should believe I can do it. And I should never give up. And you know what? You no doubt will find success with that approach. It's very likely. But here's the catch. Being successful and, find, and finding significance are not the same. Being successful and finding significance are not the same. Well, you could reach all your personal dreams and your goals and, and still miss a life of significance. So that's the kicker. I don't know if the name Bob Goff is uh, familiar to you. A lawyer, an author, a uh, New York uh, Times best-selling author. Uh, just a great guy, if you've ever heard him speak. Uh, just an amazing guy. One of his quotes I just appreciate. He said, I used to be afraid of failing at something that really mattered to me. But now I'm more afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. Didn't he capture that well? Andrea Bithoff is a, a Russian novelist, very famous. Uh, he grew up under an uh, uh, atheistic uh, communist. Uh, it might be the next slide, uh, Sam, I'm not sure. Uh, but God got his attention one day, and he recalls, in my 20th, 27th year, while riding the metro in Leningrad, now St. Petersburg, he said, I was overcome with a despair so great that life seemed to stop at once, preempting the future entirely, let alone any meaning. Suddenly, all by itself, a phrase appeared, without God in my life, life makes no sense. Without God, life makes no sense. He said, repeating it in astonishment, I rode the phrase up like a moving staircase, got out of the metro, and walked into God's light. But from a life of despair to all of a sudden God putting those words in his mind, he began to see life in a new perspective. He began to ask, where does God fit into the equation? And, and what does that mean in terms of my personal significance? There is a great purpose that God has for our lives. It's a purpose to bring incredible significance to life, to everyday life, to how we interpret life and how we make the most of it. And that purpose that God has for us could simply be expressed this way, to become like his son, 
Jesus Christ. And that truly, truly, truly brings significance. That's, that's why we're here. The Westminster Shorter Catechism goes like this. Man or woman's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We're here to glorify God. We're here to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. So then it doesn't really matter how God uniquely crafted you. Your body, your mind, your emotional framework. It really doesn't matter then if you're an electrician or a plumber or a teacher or a social worker. It doesn't really matter if you're blue collar or white collar or no collar. Those are only jobs. And significance is found in becoming like Jesus Christ. Oh, for sure, I, th I think it's important to really be in the right vocational slot where you're gifted and where you're passionate. But I just want to say that's not completely it. So you, in fact, might not be in the best vocation yet for yourself. You're still moving toward it. Nevertheless, you can have significance because significance is found in becoming like Jesus Christ. So let's try to get a handle on that this morning. Um, the Bible has some great metaphors. And sometimes when we need some clarity in life, we look, we look for a word picture to help us illustrate the, the, the meaning. And the Bible does that with the, the essence of life, finding significance to life. And the Bible paints the journey as a race, as a race. Becoming like Jesus... Finding significance is wonderfully illustrated in the picture of a race or a road. All of life is a race. You're in the race right now. You might say, well, sometimes it does feel like a bit of a rat race. But you, you are, we're all in the race. And, uh, and it's a marathon. We're in a race, and it's not just a short little race, and then suddenly we're done. Just took a few weeks. We're done. No, it's a long, 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 long race. And on this race called life, you have a purpose. Your purpose is to become the young person or the man or the woman that God wants you to be. So how do you find a life of personal significance? Allow me just to move you around to a few scriptures this morning. First of all, to return to basics. Return to basics. There are two well-known passages that talk about life as a race. The one is by Paul over in 1 Corinthians 9.24 when he writes, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. And then in the book of Hebrews, the writer puts it this way, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance, watch this, the race God has set before us. So, so the first step is getting clear on where our lives are headed. We're in a race. And the race is our lives. And the, the race is to find why God put us on this planet. And when we discover that, 
we discover a life of significance. The NIV is so helpful. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The race marked out for us. So there is a marked out road for you. It is the road of significance. It is the road, as the NLT says, it is the road that has been set before you. So you personally have a race to run. Now our roads look different. Look at us all this morning. Uh, God calls us to different families. God calls us to different experiences. God calls us from different parts of the globe. God calls us with different training and different giftings. But what we all have in common this morning is the road that leads to real personal significance. That's the same piece of the road that God wants us all to have, personal significance. Now, some parents want to run the race for their kids. They have a plan for their kids. <laughs> One particular parent I know had a plan for his three kids, and it was so hard to go against dad's wishes uh, for their lives. It was such a struggle for them to chart their own course because dad was strong, dad wanted it his way, and, uh, and of course he had the money. Uh, they were gifted in different areas, but dad wanted them to be gifted in the same area that he was an expert in. So it took years before the kids found the freedom to be who God wanted them to be. And in the end, none of them followed his footsteps in terms of a career. So sometimes other people have a plan for your life. Your friend might have a plan for your life. Or your spouse might have a plan for your life. Maybe you work for a boss who has a plan for your life. What pressure? Just be who God wants you to be. So we all have to decide whose race I'm going to run in life. I mean, I can run my own race. Or I can run the race that somebody else thinks I should run. Or I can run the race that God created me to run. But you can't run all three. You have to make a choice. So once you decide whose race you're going to run, now you're getting down to the basics. That's the very first decision. Am I going to run the race that God wants for my life? And while that's an important decision, that's an important question. If you say yes to that, and let me just say, if that's the road you're on, you have chosen well. It is the ride of a lifetime. And while some days it might just seem pretty ordinary, it is the ride of a lifetime. And you will never regret it. If you choose God's road, then you have a couple of things to do to get ready for the race. First, you have to get ready to run. Like a runner, take off your jacket. You can't run with your parka on. You can't run all layered up. Take it off. Get rid of the work boots. Put on the light runners. Put on the shorts and the t-shirt. Eliminate the extra clothing. Get ready to run. Put your foot on the starting blocks. Get ready to run and strip down. That's the metaphor. How do you translate it? Well, when you get on the road God wants you to travel, it's time to evaluate your life. You can't effectively keep one foot in the world and one foot on God's road. You can't run the race a little bit this way and then a little bit this way and a little bit this way because you'll be, you'll have no sense of, 
an end of frustration. It will tear you up. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will kind of fall into place. They'll be added unto you. So the writer says, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. Be kind of worth drawing a circle around that word anything. Is there anything in your life that's holding you back from becoming more like Jesus? Now, if you were only free from that encumbrance, you could run. You could, you could become more like Jesus. And therefore, you could experience more of his significance. You would be amazed. So, perhaps there are some sins that are tripping you up these days. They take your victory. They keep you from experiencing his joy. They keep you paddling around in that thing called guilt. And being free from that would be awesome. And maybe there are some habits that you are working on because you know if you could just leave those behind, you'll have more freedom. Maybe there are some old wounds that need to be attended to. Too. Maybe there are some old hurts that have never been addressed. Let us strip off anything that slows us down and holds us back. So first of all, put your foot on the starting blocks, strip down, get light, get ready, put aside the distractions, and get ready to run the race with intentionality. So that's the first thing. Back to the basics. But secondly, clear focus. And, and the writer says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So as you leave the starting blocks, it's imperative that you keep focus. There are a lot of things that will vie for your attention. But only one thing is paramount, and that is to never lose focus on what your life is all about. It's about keeping your eyes on Jesus. Now, our lives uh, obviously will take different twists and turns. All of us in this congregation this morning, you will never be able to predict what's coming your way. Uh, you might think a lot, my life for the rest of my life will just be smooth sailing, no, no twists, no turns, but you don't know that. Uh, regardless of the twists and turns, the one main thing is to keep your focus on Jesus Christ. My father was a farmer. And uh, he taught me, as a young guy, to cultivate the field with this large cultivator behind a huge tractor. And sometimes you don't just go around and around the field. Sometimes you go across the field so you can even out the furrows and just do a better job of working the ground. And his words were, find an object at the other end of the field, maybe it's even a quarter mile away, and just focus on it. It might be a hydro pole, it might be a telephone pole, but just line up the front of the tractor with that object and go for it. And cultivate a straight line. So if you get your first swipe straight, then the rest of the field, the whole rest of the field will look straight too. So that's a good word for living a life of significance. It will be easy to veer off, but look at who Jesus is. And look at how you want to live your life. And look at how he lived his life. And the values and the priorities that he had in life. And line up with it. And be relentless in moving in that direction. 
of, of course your best focus comes out of a relationship of intimacy and connection with Jesus himself. I mean, if you, leave, if you live with him every day, every day, every day, you'll keep focus. If you meet him in the morning or the afternoon or the evening and you listen for his words for you, uh, you will keep focus. If you try to connect with him just every once in a couple months and a couple months again, it will be a royal battle to find the focus. So focus comes out of time alone with him. Watch the rhythms of Jesus who found some very special solitary places where he could be with his father. I mean, that, it was out of those very special times with the father that allowed him to complete the mission. He got his word, his marching orders from the father and it gave him courage and strength to, to go to the end of the line. He had this daily ongoing connection with his father. It's life-giving. So find a place where you meet with God every day and make that your special place. Start your time with him with the password, the password of gratitude. Give him thanks. Give him praise. Then open your Bible and ask, Lord, how do you want to speak? And read. Read the word. Be in the book of John. Spend time in the book of John. Move to the book of Acts. Move to Corinthians. Move to wherever you need to move. Stay, stay together for a while. And get the flow of the book. And then pull out your journal. Listen. Write down the things that God impresses upon you. Sometimes write back in conversation and ask, Lord, how do you mean that? What would you want me to do? Help me to hear that more clearly. He wants to speak to you. We're having an awesome time teaching the Hearing God seminars these days. I think this is the third, second and third time we're, we're doing it right now. And... Uh, it's awesome. What, we, what we're trying to get better at is just hearing God. Trying to listen for his voice and hear his voice and sense his nudges and sense what he wants to say. And uh, we know it's the journey of a lifetime. Uh, but, but I'm grateful for every effort that we make to hear him a little better and a little better. We're going to run that seminar again uh, at the beginning of November for about six weeks. And I think there are a few more spaces left in there. Just let us know if you're interested. We'd be happy that you'd be part of a hearing God seminar and listening for his voice. So the second thing that is helpful to lead us to a life of significance is our focus on Jesus Christ and knowing his heart. Thirdly is patience. Oh, the race to become like Jesus. The race always requires a great deal of patience. And the end of verse 1 in chapter 12 says, and let us run with endurance, or could be translated, or with patience, the race God has set before us. So the race is a long one. It's a marathon. It requires a lot of patience. Uh, and, and you will find that as you journey on with the Lord, it's sometimes hard to see your growth in Christ. And when someone comes along and says, I really see you growing in Christ, it means a lot because often we don't see it in ourselves. I was, uh, I was hungry in mid-afternoon one day this past week. So I raided the cooler. Uh, it's getting very handy to raid that cooler. And uh, I found some nice banana loaf. And uh, someone from the staff said, what are you eating? Where did you get that? Well, I said, I'm hungry. 
I'm having a growth spurt these days, so I'm, I'm hungry. And they admitted that maybe they get some of those growth spurts too. I seem to have them way too often for some reason. But you, you, you really have them when you're little, little, little. When you become a Christian, you know, you start growing really fast. It's like babies in the early months. I mean, you can almost see them grow. They're just, they just grow up so quickly. And they double in size their first year. Isn't that incredible? Give thanks that you're not doing that. <laughs> so growth slows down, but it's stable and it's secure over a period of time. When God wants to make a mushroom, he takes about six hours. When God wants to make an oak tree, he takes about 60 years. So what do you want to be? A mushroom or an oak tree? There's the mushroom. There's the oak tree. I think we want to be oak trees. Friends, this is the time of your life for, for many when you're really getting rooted, really getting rooted, strong and stable so you can withstand the adult storms. You don't know what's ahead, so God is rooting you. God is growing you deep and strong, and you'll stand because you're solid as an oak tree. No one can teach you to be a young person or a man or woman of God real quickly because it doesn't happen real quickly. It's going to take your entire life and God is very patient, and He sees when you're struggling. He knows. So on the road to becoming more like Christ, you have to pace yourself. Be patient. It will be worth it all. The writer of the Hebrews says, think of all the hostility Jesus endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. I love an old story about uh, a businessman who was in a strange city. And uh, he had an appointment late in the day, but in the meantime, he had some time to, to kill. So he's driving around town in his rental car, and he passed a Little League baseball game. So he decided, I've got some time. I'm just going to stop and enjoy this. And he watched it for a while. And he was standing just outside the third base line. When there was a lull in the action, he asked the boy playing third base, he says, what's the score? And the boy replied, he said, uh, we're behind, 18 to nothing. Oh, that's strange, said the man. You don't look discouraged. Oh, he said, why should I be? The boy said, we haven't come up to bat yet. <laughs> we haven't come up to bat yet. Don't you love that spirit? No matter how far behind we may be at the moment, we never give up. We never find ourselves in despair because with God on our side, there's always another comeback for us. So we need to be patient. God's not finished with us yet. Sometimes you'll have setbacks. Sometimes you'll get discouraged. That's all right. Get up. Shake yourself off. Get your eyes back on Jesus and run with patience and endurance. He's making you into an oak tree. Everyone has a setback now and again. So you're not the only one. If you're getting some setbacks these days, you're not the only one. You aren't finished because you've had a setback. It's just a setback. It's just the first inning. So get back in the game. You're needed and you're valued. 
So don't let the enemy say to you, you'll never play again. You're done. You're out. No, no, you will play again. So be patient. Finally, uh, team. Team, the fourth thing, team. One of the great keys to becoming more like Jesus is to find a team to run with. It's discouraging running alone. I mean, who wants to go out and run 20 miles alone? Yesterday, our daughter, Angela, I call her our Michigan daughter because she lives in Michigan, she ran her first half marathon. And she's been so looking forward to running her first half marathon. She's never run that much before. So when she got up in the morning, she was excited. But the great thing was she was going to run it with her, with her hubby. But he was sick. So when she got up, he said, I'm not running. I can't run. I don't feel well. So then she had to say, well, will I run it alone or will I just, just forget it? And we all said, you, get, you need to run it. So she ran it. And uh, a half marathon in miles is 13, 13 miles. She got to mile 11, and she's running out of gas. But she met a person. She didn't know this person. And she met this gal at mile 11. And this gal was running out of gas, too. And they, they got to know one another as they, as they moved along. They talked to one another, and uh, they cheered one another on. And they talked to one another, and they talked one another in the last two miles, like, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this in our sleep. This is easy. There's nothing to this. We'll just run this in. And they talked to one another, got to know one another, got a, got a new friend in the, in the midst of this, but they ran as a team. Remember that old proverb from Africa that says, to run fast, run by yourself. But to run far, run with someone, with other people. So this is a long race. If you don't have someone with you, you could burn out. You could get discouraged. Here's the same writer to the Hebrews telling us precisely this. To get in team formation... Let us think of ways to motivate one another, the writer to the Hebrews says, to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So wherever you are on the race, remember, you need someone with you. You need a small group with you. If you're looking to be in a small group here at TCC, I'm sure we have one just for you. Just ask. Just let us know in the friendship book or talk to Pastor Norm. He's good at that. He'll get you a group right away. And if you're here this morning and you, you've just pulled on to this new race in your life, or even if you're not sure what the race is all about, let us know also. We'd love to start a new group that would investigate the road and give you a chance to ask your questions. Just let us know. Hey, I'm just getting started. I don't know what this road looks like. What should I look for? Just let us know and that, that you're getting started. And, and we'll figure out how to help you grow. We'll be delighted to help form a little group, three, four, five people together that are on the same road with you. Because we all need a safe place. And use your small group effectively. 
If you're in a small group these days, use your small group effectively. It's a trust to be able to have with one another. Take it seriously to grow and to stretch. Wow, you have a group of people. Make the most of it. Share your hearts. Develop trust in the group. Help one another in the race to become more like Jesus Christ. And in the process of focusing on Jesus, you will find an extraordinary closeness that comes into your group. It's a marvelous thing that happens. So friends, uh, run the race with great purpose and intentionality. Remember God cheers for you. And remember we all walk with a bit of a limp. Uh, allow the limp to help you be even more intentional. So four things. But first of all, uh, back to the basics. Get ready to run. Secondly, focus. Focus on Jesus. Know the heart of Jesus. Thirdly, have patience. Uh, run with endurance. Don't give up. Don't quit. And fourthly, team. Find someone to run with. A small group to run with. It can be so life-giving to you. Yes, and know that God has the greatest gift of all, and he's the reason we run. We run because of Jesus. He made a road for us. He made the road between us and God. And, and Jesus is the road. He's the bridge. And when he stretched his arms out on a cross, he was stretching them out for you. And he was saying, I love you. I forgive you. So this morning, friends, if you know him, I'm going to ask you just in the quietness of your heart to just really give thanks for that road he made for us, the road to God. If you've experienced a setback on the road, just tell him. But just tell him, I'm getting back on the road again. I'm getting back on the road. So bless you this morning as you celebrate communion, what we sometimes call the Eucharist or sometimes we call the Lord's Supper. And we're going to take a piece of bread and we're going to take a cup of juice. And that piece of bread is a, is a simple illustration uh, of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ and how that body was broken. Broken physically, broken by the hammer and nails, broken by the, by the whips and the sharp thorns, broken even with fists to his face, his body was broken. And he was doing that in love for us. And the juice or the cup is a representation of the blood that poured out of his wounds and his very blood given to us for the sins of all humanity so that we could be forgiven. So our Savior, Jesus Christ, is taking the sins of the whole world. And that means your sins. He had you in mind. And that means your sins and my sins. And he's done it for us. So will you just respond this morning as we take the elements and just say thank you. Or tell him again. Just tell him really very personal in your heart. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done. I give you my life. So I invite you to receive the elements this morning, the bread and the cup. If you're pondering, well, should I take it or should I not take it? I simply tell you or ask you to ask the question, do I know Christ? Have I crossed the line of faith? Is my heart such that I want to walk with him? And then just take. Come in your weakness. Come in your humility. And just take that bread and take that cup and say, Lord, but I, I, I come back. But I come to you and I give you my life. And if you're, if you're not at that place in your journey, just feel comfortable to allow the elements to pass. That's okay. 
So I'm going to invite the servers to come if you would, and I'm going to ask Barry Kosowin to come to the platform here and to lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving for the bread and for the cup. Thank you.